everybody, and welcome to another new edition of Live from Pawnee. I'm Alan, and with me as always is my co-host, Mark. Mark, happy season six. Happy season six, Alan. We're coming to you from the crossroads of America. Here we are in India, Nap-Nap-Napolis. We're proud to be the uh, co-hosts of Live from Pawnee. Do you not like that radio persona? That's pretty good, actually. Yeah, I and, like it. And you know what I like even better? What's that? I have a mic in front of me. I'm yeah. holding a water bottle in front of my For face your as if I needed yeah. to, to to show to you this is the way I mind it's being It's too bad on we mic. don't video. Oh, wait, we do. Oh, crap. On a crap one cracker. of these days, Mark. One of these days, Alice. No, we're we're going we're gonna to put some of these videos on the their YouTube thing we got. Uh, when we I we mean, keep threatening to do that. Well, you know when it's going to happen. Uh, yeah. When we're no longer recording these. Yeah. And, and the editors get some time to go back. Oh, know. perfect. Right. Yeah. It'd be nice to go back and watch those videos later oh maybe well yeah we, yeah i we'll, mean we'll be so uh young and and skinny and 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 svelte looking that we'll go back and look at look at those two guys what were I, they eating i i do plan to go brendan fraser like in the whale so oh, I, i'm gonna look back at this and go wait, I, wait. I was like a spartan god oh are you on your way up now or down let's just move on <laughs> this, this is bad bad territory <laughs> I was, you know what, Mark? It just hit me for the first time in a Man. long time. I like our music, our intro music. I do too. Yeah, I do too. Well done. Yeah, Aaron Emerson did that for us. Uh, a friend of a friend, or a friend of my my nephew, actually, and uh, he did a great job for us. Very so, talented. Long time since we give him a shout out. Yep, so. I agree. Well, Mark, as we said, we're here to talk about. Oh my God, season six point one. Well, technically one and two, as a matter of fact. It's season six, episodes one and two, smashed up into a big. Glob of goodness. <laughs> That's alliteration, and I love it. Well, yes. I was going to go with greasy, grimy gopher guts, but that didn't seem apropos here. No, that that that's going a little too far. I, I like the goodness. Agreed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mark, as we just said, London Part One and London Part Two technically aired as two separate half-hour episodes on the same day. But back-to-back-to-back, back back, right? Back-to-back. Back. Oh, back there's a couple back. interesting things here. So September 26, uh, 2013, mm -hmm. right? So 10 years ago, roughly, plus some months. Right. And if you go back and you look at basically the NBC uh, lineup that night, which we've been kind of doing here as we got toward the end of season five. And I, right. I like this. I wish we'd done it a little sooner. But I like the context, you know, because I think it's important sometimes to think about what was going on at the time these were airing. Mm -hmm. So, for example, London Part 1 and Part 2 were the 8 and 8.30 lead-ins mm. to the brand new one-hour Michael J. Fox show, which aired at 9 o'clock. Oh. The time slot normally shared by Office and Parks and Rec. I forget what that show was called. Was it called, Whoa, Doc, That's Heavy? That was the original. That was working title. Okay. It was just the Michael J. Fox show. Oh. <laughs> they lost all their creativity when they went live. <laughs> so, but, but hey, you knew what who it was and uh, what it was about. No, what? Michael J. Fox. Oh, him? Oh, yeah, yeah. That guy. Him. Yeah. I like him. Yeah. He's going to make it. Yeah. That show was called Neighbor. It was the pilot. And I'll be honest with you, I don't remember much about what happened with that show. I don't either. Now, it, I'll tell you this, though. Like the the share, like the ratings, like we had 3.3 million viewers for London Part 1 and Part 2, which is pretty good for Parks and Rec at this level. Like it only ever really hit 6 million, and that's in season two mm -hmm. uh, after Rob Lowe and, and uh, Adam Scott joined the cast. Right. It, it peaked. Right. And then it pretty much stays in the three millions through the end of the run. Which not bad. Not bad. But 7.5 million for the Michael J. Fox show. I think wow. there were high expectations. Now, whether those were met or not, like I said, I'm, I'm struggling to remember. In fact, I can look very quickly and tell you. Mr. Fox, if you're listening to our show, I am a huge fan. Oh, so my I did, God, I did yes. not mean to disparage, but I, I, at all. I don't remember the show Definitely at all. I not. apologize. Well, and there's a reason. So as I look at it, basically, those ratings nose-dived. It's doved. They doved. Yeah. They uh, Over time, they basically went boom. Yeah, yeah. Like rah, that rah. sound we make sometimes. Rah, 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 that rah. one, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, it, it looks like it lasted maybe a dozen episodes, roughly. That's too bad. So, it's no Spin yeah. City. Funny, funny guy, obviously. And, uh, you know, uh, our hearts are with him. He's been going through a struggle here. Yeah. And he's, he's, you know, I hate to overuse the word brave because it sounds insincere. But I think he is. And I think he's an awesome guy. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. So well said. Anyway, thought that was worth mentioning that our context had changed here at, in season six. And I, next week we'll report back and see if we come back to the nine o'clock hour or not. I can't remember. Well, and the so it also of note, the office is over. 
The office is done. Yeah, it, that's a very good point. And in fact, I, if I remember last time we spoke, like the nine o'clock, or excuse me, the 10 o'clock show was mm-hmm. like Amsterdam, mm-hmm. right? It changed this week though. And for this week, the 10 o'clock show, if I remember right, was Parenthood. So I think Parenthood- How interesting. Had launched at that point. Oh, so the television version- Good show. Inspired by the movie. Yeah, yeah, good show. Actually lasted multiple seasons, good show. Oh yeah. Yeah. So anyway, check that out on your own The time. Bravermans. The Bravermans. Yeah, they, yep. exactly. Good call. So, well, Mark, it's worth mentioning here as we move into this, that we reviewed the DVD cut of this, which yes. means that we ran, we watched, we, you know, uh, studied over, poured over. Sure. You know, we applied calculations and algorithms. Oh, and schematics, Bunsen burners, all you of name those it. Things. We did all of those things for the DVD version, which lasted 43 minutes and 40 seconds. Mm-hmm. And I know that when you and I were talking in our pre-show, we noticed that part one and part two are still airing on Peacock mm-hmm. as they did back in the day. Right. And there are some slight differences. There are some differences. And, and I wouldn't say that, I mean... I think that they're 95 to 99, probably high 90s. It's high 90s, yes. Uh, percent the same, but they're like a few scenes are switched as yes. far as the order. Yeah. I honestly wonder the version that's on Peacock, I'm wondering if absolutely 100% of the content was in the broadcast version. The only reason I say that is because it seems like there are some little teeny tiny jokes that maybe got inserted that seem to expand the length of it. I can't swear to this. Well, I, I, I'm going to go with no. And the reason for that is if you look at the run times for part one is 2136, part two is 2137. And those are really, really memorable times for us because many, many episodes fall within four or five seconds of that. Yeah. So my theory is that no, these are as they were and that what they did for the DVD so that it would fit in basically a one hour version of a television show, which you have roughly 11 minutes of commercial time. Yeah that it would still fit within network parameters where with the producers oh. cut off and we'll get some weird number 47 minutes yeah 52 minutes yeah uh, they don't care it doesn't matter because again it's only ever going to be viewed like in the dvd world or now in our cable streaming world you know things right. have really changed in that regard i guess that makes sense yeah, yeah. and network television remains kind of a, a fixed length type consideration because right. of the commercial structure at least here in america different in bbc and other places but yeah, I, I think it's... I don't know what they do over there in Britain. It's crazy. Yeah. Like, they have episodes... Like, Mark, they let me tell you about the BBC. Wrong side of the road. You, you, you got me going here. <laughs> here we go! Yeah. I, I love some BBC <laughs> shows. Sherlock is one of them. Uh-huh. What's a season over there? Three episodes. About. Are you kidding me? Yeah. That's just enough time for me to go, I think I like this show. Yeah, it's over. <laughs> <laughs> Done. Come back next year. Um, Sorry, uh, I I was gonna do British accent. I can't oh, do British accent. Can't, neither can no, you. No, no, it's, okay. it's a bibbity bobbity. Um, so, but yeah, <laughs> good day, mate. Like, what's up with that? Now I realize that we over here in America, the we this uh, side of the sometimes pond. this side of the pond. Yeah, we do stuff way, way like we our our the the, the pendulum goes way over to the other side. Well, Twenty two so, episodes in a season's a lot of television. It's a lot of television. I would go as far as to say. Like today in 2023, yeah. you can't find any that go that it's long. It's very difficult. Even like Abbott Elementary and some other really successful network shows that do follow most of the other constraints, they don't go 22 episodes. I far far more uh, consistent nowadays to find uh, something that's either 10, 11, 12, yeah. 13, maybe yeah. 16. Yeah. But in the 20s, forget it. You remember when 24 was out? Yeah. 24 episodes because yeah. one per hour. Yeah, which was a little more than normal, but it made sense, right? Given the it context. pretty cool, yeah. actually. Yeah. yeah, it was. No, that 11 thing happened, I think, with like the TNTs and those kind of cable. They came, they would come out and they'd have those half USA seasons. Network would USA, do that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Burn Notice. Remember, that we, mm, we both watched notice, that yeah. show and a few others on there that were very good at the time. So yep. anyway, the world has changed in the last 10 years. Let's it has. On. And yeah. get off my lawn. Get off my lawn, you, <laughs> you young whippersnappers. <laughs> Oh my God! What show are we reviewing? Parks oh, and yeah, Rec. Yeah, 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 yeah. Parks and Rec. One part one, part back two. To this. Directed by Dean Holland, written by Mike Schur. That sounds super familiar to me. It, it sure does. And actually, I was going to ask or verify that pair, Dean Holland and both Mike Schur, did both have. I confirmed. Yes, and as you recall, I was pretty sure. As, as you may recall, Mark. Yes. Season five, episode twenty-two, mm-hmm. also written and directed by the same pair. Ah. So, you know. 
click one more off. This is Dean's 19th and 20th of his 27. Right. And this is Mike's 13th, 12th and 13th of his 15. Gotcha. Gotcha. So so that's where we're at in the pendulum. And uh, believe it or not, Mark, uh, I think we're ready for our synopsises. Oh, holy hell. All right. Let's do this thing. All right. Well, this was a challenge because I I should say, uh, uh, Alan, I, I think you and I are on the same page here, but if not, we're going to know right here in the air. Um, I, I decided to to look at this as one supersized monstrosity and, and then take all possible storylines from like all 40 whatever minutes. Me too. All right. So because of that, I have five stories. Oh, no. Oh, we're starting off strong. OK. Uh, again, there's no right or wrong answer here uh-huh. except mine being right. And yours yeah, yeah. Because I got the. Uh, yeah, I, I know. I had three. So go for it. I'm just curious. I, I, here's what I'll say. The only way this is going to hurt us and it won't at all because it just means I talk less. <laughs> <laughs> is that you'll have you'll have more episode titles than me. Now, I could try to make some up on the fly. All right, but you still did do one, aka though, right? Oh, of course. Okay. But the new rules. You know, yes. the reason we do only one. Oh, I'm not going to do that. No, I'm not no, going to do no, the no. game. It's, We've got lots of viewer mail. I can't do that. I know. I know. No. I know. Okay. Keep so going. my first of my five stories that I have, <clears throat> I have. Uh, I kind of phone these in. Uh, my first one, my A story, is called Leslie's Recall Fight. Okay, it's factual and it's not great. That's good. All right. One month after the season five finale left off, Leslie is still being attacked by the Recall Nope campaign. Trying to fight back, Leslie came up with 40 phases to get the public to try and like her again. Like, yeah, yeah, 40 phases. You heard me. Yep. But so far, none are really making a lot of difference in creating awareness. However, trying to think outside the box, April recently nominated Leslie for an award from the International Coalition of Women in Government and announces some much needed good news to the gang. Holy crap, Leslie was one of five winners. And the award ceremony is being held in London in a month's time. So one month after that, we see Leslie and April are in London for the award ceremony, which, by the way, Ben, Andy, and Ron are also present, not only to support Leslie, but for additional reasons that we'll hear about shortly. See the storylines below. Uh, As Leslie prepares for the ceremony, she discovers her personal London pictures uh, Facebook are being used by those from the recall nope campaign to insinuate that, you know, she'd rather be in Europe than working through her problems in Pawnee. Well, who wouldn't? And I, I would. Um, with the help of Ron, Leslie works past her initial instinct to fly back to Pawnee immediately and decides to go to the award ceremony. After all, at the award ceremony, Leslie meets the, the other winners and is distressed, though, to find that unlike her, they are all loved by their hometowns. Mm-hmm. Fighting frustration and despair, Leslie is called up to the mic to give her acceptance speech. What will happen? Will Leslie's speech go off without a hitch, or could she encounter some turbulence? Can Leslie's award change how the citizens of Pawnee see her, or will they continue to be peepee heads? Does Leslie's award change how she feels, or does she need a boost from another source? Stay tuned to find out. Dot dot dot. Very nice job. Is, what was your title for that one again? The, the, <laughs> Leslie's <yeah>. Recall Fight. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That was a little phoned in. I got to admit, it was so. phoned in. I know. So, so thematically, Mark, I chose to go not not only with song titles, which you know is an old throwback of mine. Yeah. These are all Clash song titles. Every oh, single one of them. Oh dear. Okay. Yes. So the the first one, the A story, the Clash, London Recalling. Oh, nice. Very nice. Thank you. Thank you. That's fitting. Yeah. That's now fitting. I'm going to have to make up two of these on the fly, apparently. So keep going. Here we go. Good thing we have a pause button. Oh, we don't? Oh, crap. Damn it. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. So my, my B story, uh, yes. my second of my That five. usually comes after the A. Yeah, we'll see. That's my experience. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mine is called The Legacy of Lord Fancy Face. <laughs> I like it. It's not bad. That's good. Two months After the season five finale left off, Ben and Andy are in London to meet with a wealthy potential benefactor for the Sweetums Foundation, particularly regarding the after school music program that they had started in in Pawnee. Leslie, April and Tom or Leslie, April and Ron, excuse me, are also present, although for different reasons. See the other stories. Um, Ben and Andy meet with Lord Edgar Covington, a wealthy man from a distinguished family with lots of money and property, Ben attempts to discuss terms with Lord Covington, but it quickly becomes clear that he is easily distracted and is interested in childish, trivial things 
dot, 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 much like Andy. In fact, Andy and Lord Covington get along very, very, very well, both having similar work ethics and mannerisms, and to be polite, um, they're, they're, they're man-children, what can we say? Yes. When Ben finally gets the chance to put forward his proposal, Lord Covington admits, you know what? I got no idea what's going on. I, I, I started the charity with something to do something good with my family's money, but I've heard lots of charity pitches and I don't know who to choose. Wow. How will this turn out? Can Andy convince Lord Covington to choose Ben's proposal? Is there anything Andy can otherwise do to help clinch the deal? Who exactly came up with the nickname Lord Fancy Face? <laughs> Stick around, podcast viewers. All will be revealed. Dot, dot, dot. Nice job. I had the same B story. Okay. And uh, my title, uh, another Clash song, of course. was Should I Stay or Should I Go? But, you know, I, the original title, Mark, was My Blue Helicopter. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Thank you. Nice. <laughs> Pay attention for that one. I like that. Yeah. Oh. Tell me about your C story, Mark. All right. My third of the five stories. Yes. Uh, um, now, there was a great uh, movie series, Alan, you probably remember it. It had. Um, they had a Chevy Chase was like the lead and it had Beverly Delangelo. No, sure. Yeah. The, the, those family vacations there. Well, this is Ron's European vacation. Nice. Yeah. All Love right. It. Thank you for playing along. Yeah. Uh, picking up immediately after the season five finale left off, Diane informs Ron that she is pregnant, feeling overwhelmed with joy and swans and love. Ron proposes to Diane. Both of them agree. Let's do a small, not big, not a big deal wedding. They go, they actually head up to the dreaded fourth floor to get married immediately. And they encounter Leslie and April on their way. And they have them as witnesses and they have an ordained minister ready to go. And Ron and Diane are pronounced husband and wife. Wow. Two months after that, we see Ron in London, blah, blah, blah. Other people are there too. Blah, blah, blah. Um, <laughs> Ron, we learned from Ron that Diane originally wanted this to be their their honeymoon. That's not a bad idea. All right. You know, just kind of tag along with the gang, you know, yeah. as you do for your honeymoon. But when a huge wave of morning sickness took her out of the equation, she stayed home and insisted Ron still travel to London. Bully. <laughs> <laughs> and take pictures for Diane and try to enjoy himself. And Ron grumpily agrees because, you know, he loves her. I think he said, my my love for her trumps my hatred for Europe. Yes. But not by a lot. Not by a lot, yeah. So he's not having a great time there. You know, he and he is also there to support Leslie for her awards ceremony, I grant you. And he even tries to mentor her when she finds out Pawnee is still raking her over the coals at home. Leslie also gives Ron what she personally considers a proper wedding gift to two months after the fact an itinerary taking him to a mystery location that she swears he'll be glad that he went mm. to what will happen does ron take pictures of london like diane asked him to is ron able to talk leslie down out of the crazy tree where exactly is leslie's itinerary sending ron Hang in there, true believers, only time will tell, dot, dot, dot. Nice job, Mark. This is the first place we vary. Uh -oh. I didn't consider this his own storyline. Oh. I understand why you did. And I'm, I'll accept the decision. The judges will now accept it. <laughs> oh, yeah. good. So, so there you go. Oh, yeah. Boom. Okay. That You're belated. The there sound you sound effect makes and me feel they, good. Yeah. I've been scolded now that I did not consider these correctly. So um, <laughs> I'll move on. Yeah, well, no, let me give my title. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. My I'd, clash title. I didn't know you. Okay. I'm making this up as I go, Mark. <laughs> Come on. Like, like, <clears throat> I'm sorry, Alan. Uh, not, not any different than most weeks. But, Sir Alan of the Round yeah. Table, I completely cut you off. What's your title for this C story? So, Mark, uh, Ron travels via train, correct? Yes. So, there you go. The Clash song, Train in Vain. No. Oh. You're welcome. Thank you. Well, you are smarter than most people say you are. <laughs> Thank you? Yeah, you're Yeah. Right. All right. All right. That was pretty good, actually. Yeah. All right. So my my fourth of the five stories. Yeah. God, I'm getting tired. <laughs> All right. My D story is Rent-A-Swag 2.0, Tommy's Closet. All right. Peeved at Tommy's Closet being established across the street from Rent-A-Swag, Tom asked Donna to help him find out information on the unknown owner. Finding only an address, Tom drives there to find Ann and Chris entering the building. What the what? Tom races in after them and finds the pair in a room in the middle of a sonogram. What? what? 
at this point, Tom realizes two very important things. A, Anne is pregnant. Spoiler. And B, the person trying to ruin his business is their doctor, Dr. Saperstein, <gasps> the father of both John Ralphio and Mona Lisa. Dun, dun, dun. They're the worst. They're the worst. <laughs> Even he thinks they're the worst. Dr. Saperstein tells Tom he's only doing this to get, quote, back at him for ruining his children's lives. Hmm. Even after hearing this, Tom really doesn't get Dr. Saperstein's reasoning um, for going after him. Like, you think I did what exactly? Yeah. Desperate to understand what the what is happening, Tom asks John Ralphio and Mona Lisa to meet him in his office so that he can talk to them, hoping that they can better explain their father's motivations. How will this turn out? What is the real reason Dr. Saperstein is going so hard after Tom? Can John Ralphio and Mona Lisa help to defuse the situation? Does Tom close Rent-A-Swag or will he continue to fight? Put on your helmet and don't get stuck. You won't believe how this turns out. Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> nice job, Mark. All right. I, I had this one as well. Okay. This was my C story. Uh, but, but you're correct. This is the D story. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> Uh, this is one of my favorite class songs, uh, Rock the Cashmere. Oh, nice. Thank you. Nice. Thank you. Very. You're good. Yeah, thank you're you. You're on fire. All right. So my final one, Lord, my E story is entitled, The Most Exciting News That No One Is Excited About. <laughs> That's very good. And by the way, I totally forgot about this storyline altogether. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. That says nothing about my feelings for it, by the way. We'll save those for later. I know. know. (laughs) All right. Anne and Chris are together and they're doing great and their relationship is better than it ever has been. And as things progress, we and Tom end up learning one more very interesting fact. Anne is pregnant. (gasps) And they're trying to keep this just their secret for now. But they're getting a little antsy to let everyone know. What will happen? Will they decide to start telling people? Can they predict how Leslie will react when she hears the news? Is all this making them feel overwhelmed? And if so, how do they deal with it? Loyal podcast viewers, stay with us and all will be made clear. Dot, dot, dot. Nice job, Mark. Thank you. And of course, because I had this as well, my clash title (laughs) for this one is Lover's Rock. Uh, Where else would I go? So first of all, bravo. That was a very nice thematic series of titles. Second, I'm getting more of an inkling of how you operate. I I see how the sausage is made. I like it. Yeah. I've tried to hide it for a long time, but by season Uh, six, it's it's starting to reveal. All right. Yeah. Fair enough. Well, nice job, Mark. Hey, let's do our one and only AKA, and then let's get into our breakdown. You got it, man. All right. My AKA is there was a lot to choose from. This was actually very challenging, but I ended up going with simplicity just because it made me giggle. Yeah. We know that Ron is in Europe. Yes. We know Ron does not like Europe. Yes. He therefore makes fun of it. And in one of the lines that made me giggle was where he's taking pictures for Diane and Big Ben is there in the background. And he says, oh, look, a clock. We don't have that in America. (laughs) (laughs) Also makes me laugh every time. And the source of a great meme, as a matter of fact. Yes. Yes, it is. What do you have? Uh, So my one and only AKA is uh, basically when they, they arrive in London. Andy's maybe a little confused. Oh, And he yeah. says something about it being Hogwarts. Yeah, yeah. And then goes, Hogwarts is fictional. Do you know that? It's important to me that you know that. <laughs> We're about to meet with Lord Fancy, Fancy Face. Face. Yeah. You have to know Hogwarts yeah. is fictitious, Noel. It could, the meeting could be in Hogwarts, Mark, in Andy's defense. We don't know. Well, I didn't see the train station they were at. Was it nine and a half? Oh, my God. I don't know. Maybe. Hey, Mark, before we get into breakdown, uh-huh. I want to make something clear to our viewers at home. Okay. So while we did this as a single episode, we are going to break our coverage into two parts. Yes. And today, I think we're going to get a little more than halfway through the canon episode. Yeah. Yeah. And then we will come back next week, do the second part, and give our scores. That's right. Just to set expectations for today. That's right. Because you know me, I hate that thing where you look up at 20, you know, three minutes in, and all of a sudden it says part two, and you're like, I didn't know this was a multi-part episode. Yeah, you guys suck. You, Why would you I do this? Well, that's what we're doing. Yeah, so we're doing that. Yeah. All right, go for it, Mark. 
All right. Well, you know, this is the beginning of season six as per what happens when you end season five. Yeah. Um, so I'll say. <clears throat> Previously at the Hall of Justice, uh, <laughs> when we last left our heroes, Diana just walked into Ron's office asking if they could talk in private at exactly the moment that Andy was wondering out loud who could be pregnant. After a huge OMG to the camera, Andy leaves them alone. Diane officially tells Ron she's pregnant and wants to know his thoughts. All right, I'll stop the voice. My throat's starting to hurt. <clears throat> All right. So, <laughs> so sweet, stupid Andy. Um, so, yeah, Ron is officially told yeah. at this point that Diane is pregnant and wants to know his thoughts. And so, you know, despite Ron's prior... Um, canoe-centric no, uh, plans to want to wait until their anniversary to do this, Ron decides to take the plunge, gets out a ring, and asks Diane to marry him. And Diane says yes on one condition. Since they've both been married before, she doesn't want anything big or elaborate. And in fact, the smaller the better. And Ron agrees, saying, you know what, as far as he's concerned, we could, we could go up to the fourth floor right now. And they just look at each other for a few seconds, grinning. Love it. Yep. Mark, uh, I, I love that scene. It's a very sweet scene. And uh, Ron's whole canoe thing. I, I love canoes as well, right? Right. And kayaks and pretty much any other yeah. water boat. But he, he says, uh, I was going to wait and do this someplace romantic, probably in a canoe, definitely in a canoe. I actually built a canoe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. His plans were very canoe centric. They were very yeah, canoe centric. Sure. Yes. Well, Mark, from there, we see the couple headed down the hall at City Hall and they run into a few fellow colleagues who they now share the news with. That's right. That's right. They are uh, on a mission to head towards the elevator, towards the dreaded fourth floor so that they can get married immediately. And who should they see but Leslie and April walking towards them from the opposite direction. They're finishing up from their weekend volunteer session oh, yeah. uh, cleaning the Pawnee River. I remember that. Hey, Constantine, do the honor, sir. Play the first clip. Thank you. Wow, hello there. Hey, Leslie, what's with the getup? We're coming back from uh, cleaning up the Pawnee River. There's nothing I love more than squeegeeing slime off a highway underpass. Mm. Where are you guys going? The fourth floor, getting married. Okie dokie, well, catch you later. <laughs> what? What? Poet? What tattoos? What the? Uh, are you dead? You look like you're in rictus. I just, I'm having so many thoughts and feelings that I'm paralyzed right now. Would you ladies like to come? Can I be the best man? Why not? Let's go. Ron is getting married, and I love him, and I care about him, and this is the greatest day ever, and I, I do not have time to talk about this. Wait! Uh-oh. If, if you would just slow down a little, then I could arrange balloons or a flower cake or a bouncy castle or something. Ah, Ethel Beavers, oh boy. we would like a marriage license, please and thank you. What's the date of the wedding? Today. It's a bit unusual, but we Don't both... care. <laughs> <laughs> Leslie Nope, would you please be my matron of honor? Mm. You have no idea what that means to me. She gets it. Let's go. Well, this is like a waking nightmare. Happiness. Um, I need to get some flowers. Uh, why don't you hold this colorful bouquet of highlighters? Rice. I need to find some rice. I need to throw some rice. Why is there no rice in this municipal government building? Uh. I found a justice guy. These are the marrying people. This is Carl. Hello, Carl. My fiance and I would like to get married right now, right here. Haven't I done a quickie wedding for you before? It's certainly possible, but this one's going to stick. Yep. I need your full names for the license. Ronald Ulysses Swanson. Yep. Diane Tammy Lewis. Yeah. Tammy. Your middle Just name? Just kidding, it's Elizabeth. <laughs> let's go, Carl. Hey, hey, let's pump the brakes, Carl, okay? Belay that order, Carl. Shortest possible ceremony. I'm tired of not being married to this woman. Do you, Ron Swanson, Who take Diane start? to be your wife? Who is I happening? certainly do. Oh, my God. And do you, Diane, Yes, yes I do. She said yes! Okay. <laughs> Wait. power vested in me? Before you, Carl! Just one second. <laughs> I would just like to give a short speech, if I may. You have ten seconds. At first glance, it may seem as though Ron Swanson and I have nothing in common. But Webster's Dictionary defines friend. Time. <laughs> Thank you, Leslie. I could tell where you were going with that, and it was going to be beautiful. Oh. I now pronounce oh. you man and wife. Hooray! Yay! Great job, everyone. <laughs> the reception will be held in each of our individual houses alone. Pretend this is rice! That was beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff there. That's something we should say that, you know, we kind of, sort of, 
split that up into three scenes, at least in our heads. Yeah. That was all in theory. The cold, the cold open. open, if you judge it, the cold open is everything before the opening sequence. Well, yeah. The, and the it, title scene. And at that, it would have been roughly four minutes and 15 seconds. Yeah. Long. Yeah. Which would certainly be a record. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This is a powerhouse episode. So, I mean, if it's before the title credits, then I think it is the cold open. Yeah, like, I guess you're it right. It does happen to be multi. And it's not our first multi scene. It's our first of that length, though. Yes. For yeah, sure. That, that, that's true. Yeah. I, I, I love the slightly visual thing, you know, when, when Leslie and April encounter them and they're on their way up there at the very beginning and they say, hey, where, what's, what's going on? Where are you going? And they're like, oh, we're going to go to get married. And then two things happen. Immediately, April goes toink uh-huh. and looks straight at the camera with her eyes wide open, but doesn't say anything like she's just tickled. Yep. And then Leslie has a conniption fit <laughs> and nearly goes into rictus. Well, she she certainly doesn't registered at first no like she was not expecting no all right see you later no she was just she was just squeegeeing slime off a highway underpass of course she's not gonna expect that no not dressed for the 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 not dressed for the occasion and certainly did not have time to do the leslie thing no no yeah she did pretty well she made like faux rice she made faux rice she actually had a little bouquet of uh, fluorescent markers yeah that's not bad she did what she could yeah it was beautiful nice job yeah, it got me there. Yeah, yeah. Well, Mark, we kick off the main episode in Leslie's office after a bit of a time jump, and there is no problem too small for Leslie to hear and no complaint too petty for her to consider action worthy. At least that's what she says when those people are standing in her sounds office. Sounds like a challenge. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we, we see a black screen with white text one month later. And Leslie, we immediately hear from Leslie via talking head that the recall nope crowd has continued to attack her. And to fight back, Leslie has formed a defense initiative comprised of 40 phases. Yep, that's right. Her plan has 40 phases, which I mean, for her seems about right. That's about right. (laughs) Overprepared Leslie. Right now, they are currently in phase 26. Quote, no problem too small. And the, the theory, I think, Alan, is that she wants to show everyone that she's here for Pawnee and that anyone can come to her about anything no matter what. And you know what? It actually sounds good on paper. However, in practice, it's a little less than uh, perfect. And we yeah. see an example of this less than perfectness um, as Leslie and Anne talk to one of our fellow uh, crazy Pawneeans, Gretel, who we've seen before. I remember Gretel. About her slug infestation and precisely how she wants them to handle it. Ugh. She is very specific. Well, she does say that she, well, she's an animal lover, right? She, uh-huh. But she wants, she would like the slugs gone from the sidewalk in front of her house. Right. But don't hurt them, but they're gross. So get rid of them. Yes. Make sure they're happy. Yes. But not too happy. Wow. Yeah. That's a challenge. It's a little bit of a challenge. And uh, yeah, the, those slugs, you can't trust them. Because I mean, you'd have to take a slug pole. Unlike like a, a little pole. slug survey? Yeah. like Not a pole to beat them with, but a pole of, no, hey, how you feeling? I mean, I mean, they are gross, so, I mean, get rid of them, but yeah. <laughs> anyway. Oh, boy. Well, from there, we head down the hall where Ann and Leslie catch up with Chris, who is as chipper as ever and quite interested in the apparent slug infestation. <laughs> yeah, I think this is after Leslie and Ann get out of the, ugh, the, the meeting with Gretel. Yes. And they're walking down the hallway together and they're discussing next steps and what they're going to do and blah, blah, blah. And then out of nowhere, ping, Chris appears and like energetic, energetically greets them. And he asks how things are going and gives a few encouraging words as only cheerful Chris can do and then scampers off down the hallway uh, like a happy little puppy. And then Anne has a short little talking head where she tells us that, you know what, she she and Chris are doing really well and they're spending every day together and they're having so much fun. And then she leads us to believe that they're engaged, but they actually just got pedicures. Yeah. She goes, oh, yeah, yeah. Manicures. Check this out. Yeah. And holds up her hand. Yeah, She didn't hold up her foot. She held up her hand. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be weird. She mm. held up her foot. Well, flexible. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> well, we now see Tom running across the street to Tommy's closet. That's right. The mysterious investor has moved forward and seems hell bent on copying Tom's business model until he has no business, no more. Yeah. There's no business like no business. That's probably not how the saying goes. That's but not I'm quite I'm right. But I appreciate what you're trying you know, to do there. Because C is equal to C, zero is equal to zero. Oh, my God. All right. So uh, I love inside jokes. Uh, I hope to be a part of one long day. You are. All right. So, yeah, you're, you're, you're right, though. We we see Tom running across the street from Rent-A-Swag into a store with a big banner that says, Coming soon, Tommy's Closet. And he enters and he sees 
lawyer Trevor Nelson, who we saw in the season five uh, finale. Yeah. And when Tom complains, like, what the what? This, are you kidding me right now? Tommy's closet looks exactly like Rent-A-Swag, like exactly. And Trevor's like, yes, it does. <laughs> when when my client rips someone off, he goes all the way. Yeah. And then Tom makes a few thinly veiled guesses at who the mystery client is, uh, and he doesn't guess who it is. No. Um, but good guesses. And then we hear Tom tell us via any talking head, I'm not worried. I, I poured my heart and soul into my store and it's not going to, it's not going to bother me. I hope he's right. Yeah. That might be a little bit of bravado, but I, I mean, I hope he's right. It could be. Yeah. I mean, if it's not Jason Stratham or uh, LeBron James, at least he's got that. Uh, he needs someplace to store all of his NBA championship trophies. He does. Well, back in Leslie's office, the committee to keep Leslie in office and squash the recall effort. Uh, Mark, we need a better acronym for that. Cause that's a lot of words. In yeah. There. It's a uh, ting twister. Yeah. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Anyway, those people are meeting and the goal of finding something to put Leslie in a positive, meaningful spotlight is what they're up to. Yep. We, we see Leslie in her office with Ben and Chris and April, and they are commenting on how poorly No Problem Too Small is working. And the gang starts brainstorming like, what else could we do? What else could we do? When April comes through with some much needed good news. Apparently, April nominated Leslie for an award through the International Coalition of Women in Government. And there, there were a total of five winners. And holy crap, Leslie was one of them. And the award ceremony is next month in London. Leslie is so proud of April and so happy about all of this. She's beside herself. Well, and they get to go to London. And they get to go to London. And that's the only reason we're going to London, Mark. Yes, the only reason. As far as you know. That's it. Well, after our second time jump of this episode, we find Leslie and her support crew in London. And we are already on our first field trip, apparently to Hogwarts. Yeah, so we're going to take a trip across the pond. And uh, I'm not going to do that. Uh, so <laughs> once again, we see superimposed text on the screen one, another month later. And we see, as you alluded to, Alan, Leslie... April, Ben, Andy, and Ron are all in London. And at this point, I kind of consider this like the focal point from which a lot of storylines it spring. It's a hub. Uh, it's, it's a hub. There you go. And, and uh, we see the gang split up with, with Leslie, April, and Ron initially doing some sightseeing, which fair enough. And Ben and Andy are going to go on their little meeting that they got. And Ron tells us via Talking Head a little bit more about why he's actually there. So in a nutshell... A, Diane suggested they tag along to London for a nice little honeymoon. B, uh, despite Ron's hatred for Europe, he agreed. That's a rookie mistake. C, <laughs> she hit a phase of morning sickness that knocked her for a loop. D, Diane decided to stay home but insisted Ron go and take pictures for her. Bully. <laughs> <laughs> what was your last letter there? D? D? Yeah. You forgot E. Yeah. Uh, apparently, forget London. All history began on July 4th, 1776. Ever before that was a mistake. Is all a mistake. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Love Ron. Well, back in Pawnee, time zone differences be damned. Yeah. We check in with Tom to see how his direct competition has made an impact on his store over the last 30 days. Well, his not great no. um we're at Renaswag. i hear crickets in the background the first thing we see is mona lisa um traipsing up to tom to tell her that she's leaving early i meant to say i'm quitting <laughs> and then leave she's tom is totally disgusted yeah Ugh. and john ralphio then shows up not to give his best friend support like you might think but rather to tell him about the better version of his store across the street he's a spy <laughs> they're giving away free pizza with pepperonis, pepperonis. Um, uh, so tom is frustrated and he vents to john ralphio saying look man three weeks ago this place was absolutely hopping and now look it's dead like what am i gonna do John Ralphio has no good advice for Tom. No, he does not. <laughs> to be clear, he has advice, but it's stupid, unhelpful, and has no bearing on anything. Well, yeah, when life gives you lemons, Mark, you sell some of your grandma's jewelry and you go clubbing. Not a good piece of advice. <laughs> it's really he really needs some better friends. <laughs> it is in character, though, for John It is Ralphio. in character. That's yeah. true. Well, meanwhile, back in London, Ben and Andy are exploring the options to collaborate with the British Foundation to gain support for Andy's favorite charity. And Andy has apparently confused England for Australia, just like he confused Hogwarts for Buckingham Palace. 
<laughs> He's a nut, that sweet, stupid Andy. Yeah, we see Ben and Andy are now on the, um, I don't know, the grounds of, yeah, of Lord right. Edgar Darby Covington. Yeah. A.K.A. Fancy a. Face. Lord Fancy Face. <laughs> um, walking to their meeting with Lord Covington himself. And I think that they're there to try and expand their after-school music program. Alan, if I'm not mistaken, I think this is the same Redwood music program that Andy discovered in Season 5, Episode 15, Correspondence Lunch. That's correct. Um, so, it is kind of neat. Anyway. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, Constantine, good lad. Bippity-boppity. Do play this clip. Thank y'all. So the only thing you did was stop drinking beer? Yeah, I lost 50 pounds in one month. Huh. How much beer were you drinking? <laughs> I know, right? Probably too much. <laughs> Andy and I are meeting with an English charity foundation to expand our after-school music program, and British people love me. There was this British kid in my high school who always called me Big Ben and would punch me really hard on the arm and go, bong, bong, bong. Oh, he might have hated me. <laughs> Real quick, should I do a British accent? Mm. Um, I'm gonna say no. You sure? Oh. Yeah, I can do one. It's not very good, but I think I could pull it off. I just feel like he's gonna get upset when he finds out that we're American. He knows we're American. Ah, oh, great. All right, well, I guess we'll take the meeting anyway. After all, we did come all the way down under. No. <laughs> Lord Covington, I'm Ben Wyatt. This is Andy Dwyer, and it is an honor to meet you, sir. Well, it's nice to meet you too. However, the proper mode of address would be Your Royal Excellency, Lord Edgar Darby Covington, 14th Earl of Cornwall upon Thames, 29th Baron of Hertfordshire. No, 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 I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Oh, please call me Eddie. Oh, thank God. <laughs> I knew that other name must have been a stupid joke. Oh. <laughs> no, 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 he's absolutely right. It's, it's an absurd name. <laughs> well, I'm excited to hear about your musical charity idea, shall we? You can see there at the end, uh, Andy's kind of mimicking Eddie's like rolling hand motion, like, shall we? Yeah. And Andy's like, I think he's really taken by him. He's like doing the same thing. And Ben gives him a light smack, like, stop it. Stop it. He's mirroring him. He's mirroring That him. is a form of success, Mark. Yeah, it That's is. You build it. Yeah, you build rapport that way. Oh, do you build rapport that way? <clears throat> oh, my God. Well, Mark, elsewhere in London, Leslie and Ron have different ideas about how to best enjoy this amazing, if you're Leslie, an unimpressive distant relative of the city, if you're Ron. Yeah, we, we at this point, we see Leslie, they're outside, Leslie, April, and Ron, and Leslie's reading a tourist guide to try and, I guess, plan their day. And Ron just looks at her grumpily, and then... After the grumple, grumpily look, he gives us a couple of short, grumpy talking heads, naturally, uh, scoffing at the various landmarks like, oh, look, a clock when he looks at Big Ben. And he's not <laughs> impressed at all. And then we end the scene with Ron looking at postcards. He found one he liked. He did. And, and, and I guess to potentially send home to Diane. I think so. And ultimately, he walks away rather annoyed when he learns that the vendor doesn't accept American currency. But that is the most wonderful piece of paper in the world, Mark. What's wrong with them? That's it's so funny. And it's so it's so Ron. Uh -huh. Like, this is very funny. I will take this. Uh, we don't accept American currency, sir. Of course you do. That is the most <laughs> wonderful piece of paper in the world. Accept it. <laughs> uh, he tried. Yeah. There's a reason Ron doesn't get out of Pawnee very much. I'll just say that. <laughs> and then the vendor's like, oh, dude, I'm sorry, I can't take it. Fine. Enjoy the fact that your royal overlords are a frail old woman and a tiny baby. <laughs> Good wow. God, Ron. Well, that's changed in 10 years. Yeah, it sure yeah, has. It sure has. Well, back at City Hall is, as they say, good to have friends in government. And this time it is Tom who's benefiting. Yes, back in good old Pawnee at City Hall, we see Donna helping Tom with some detective work as they go through the uh, some sort of records room, I guess, looking for official business license for Tommy's closet. Um, it turns out it's being channeled through a shell corporation, sketchy, called Open for Business LLC, which does have an address somewhere in Pawnee. And Tom writes the address down and he takes off. <laughs> And then the next thing we see is an outside shot of Tom in his car parked outside the address that he just wrote down. And he scopes the place out and he sees, of all people, Ann and Chris walk up and enter the building. What the what? Irritated and maybe a bit curious, Tom gets out of his car and runs towards the building entrance. Interesting. Yeah. Well, as you said, Mark, now armed with his ill-gotten information, Tom is forced to, for the first time since episode two, The Stakeout, go undercover. 
Well, I might add, uh, uh, Sorrel and other roundtable, it's uh, public information, the license, so it's not ill-gotten. It's just Donna-gotten. Well, it's Donna-gotten, but uh, I, if you didn't have a friend in City Hall, do you think it's that easy to get? Yeah, it's public information. That's what Donna says. Donna also, uh, she says a lot of stuff. She does say a yeah, lot of stuff. I don't stuff. know. Anyway, yeah. so yeah, we, we cut to the inside of this building, uh, if if that is your true name, building, um, where Tom completely blows past the receptionist and is determinedly walking through a hallway towards a door. Hey, Constantine, play the clip, please. Thanks. 1020 Maple Street. Ann and Chris, what are they doing here? Sir, you can't go in there. Aha! I caught you. Hey, it's Tom. What the hell are you doing? What am I doing? What are you doing here? Dr. Saperstein is giving me a sonogram in his doctor's office for women because I'm pregnant. Oh my God. <laughs> You're John Ralphio's dad. Mm -hmm. You're the one that's trying to put me out of business. Well, look at that, Mr. Haverford. You tracked me down. Looks like your detective skills are a lot better than your tween high-end fashion rental skills. And Chris, can we have the room, please? No, you certainly cannot. <laughs> Dr. Saberstein, why are you doing this? What did it ever do to you? You know exactly why I'm doing this. You destroyed my family. First, you screwed my son out of your business, and then you stole my daughter's virginity. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> uh, uh, <clears throat> Wait, you're serious? Deadly serious. According to my daughter, you broke her heart. Then you smashed up her BMW. Ooh. I had to buy her a new one so she could drive to divinity school. <laughs> Let me yeah. tell you something, mister. You attack a Saperstein, you face my wrath. Be so sure about this, Tiny Tom, that I will crush you like the bug you are. <gasps> and there it is, the heartbeat. Everything sounds perfect. Oh, this is the moment we were dreaming of. You and me and our baby, and Tom, and his weird feud with our doctor. <laughs> Maybe not exactly as they pictured it. That was that was impressive. He he went from full on like Wrath of Khan oh, to yeah. like look the baby's baby. heartbeat. Believable in both. It is yes. Yeah. Well, Mark, as they say, the children will bring us together. Aww. Or they say something about children. I don't know. I don't pay attention. Mm. Yeah. Well, back in London, we get a deeper look into Lord Covington's hobbies and even learn a little more about his family wealth. Yeah. Back in London, Ben is talking to Lord Covington. He he did ask them to, uh, to call him Eddie. Uh, so he's talking to Eddie about the after-school music program when Andy suddenly <gasps> sees some remote control helicopters and can't stop himself from blurting out about them. And Ben's like, oh, geez, come on, Andy. And then Eddie asks Andy, well, do you, do you want to play with them? And, and like, do I? And then as, as like, Eddie does too, he's like, I don't really want to play with them. Do. And they have a little bit of a playful smack talk about which is better, the orange or the blue one and calling orange, it, and, you know, rules are rules. And then Ben's a little bewildered at, at this point, I think at how similar Andy and Eddie uh, are. Um, we then cut to Eddie, Andy and Ben outside with Ben watching Eddie and Andy fly remote control helicopters like two little kids, like trying to screw with each other and giving each other smack talk. And they're before, like long lost brothers. I know before the helicopters collide in a spectacular crash and just fall to the ground and both men laughing like idiots and they calm down a little bit. And then Ben tries to tactfully resume explaining to Eddie about the after school music program. But once again, Andy is in blurt mode. Like, we should get ice cream. <laughs> and after a quick discussion as to whether they have ice cream in this strange, faraway land that Not they're the in moon. here. Like, well, wouldn't it be cool though? Both Eddie and Andy, like the, the these giant men who tower over Ben, like oh, yeah. turn to him like five-year-olds going, can we, can we, can we get some ice get cream? Some ice cream? I think maybe slightly horrified that he's the adult uh -huh. in this situation. Ben's like, all right. So, Alan, I don't think Ben knows what to make a Lord Fancy Face. He, he doesn't. And I would say it's it's horrible, Mark, to wake up and realize you're the adult in the room. Oh, there is no worse it. feeling. No, yeah. no. Like, you who's driving this school bus? Exactly Am I? Right. Am yeah. I at the school Holy crap. Well, that's that not good. Yeah, it's not good. Well, across London town, Leslie and April strategize on Leslie's acceptance speech and seem to have two different approaches in mind when Leslie gets some unexpected and poorly timed input on her European adventure. 
Right, right. I, I'm presuming that Leslie and April got a hotel room together. And and if that is the case, they are in said well, hotel Well, they're city room. government employees, so I'm sure that they're uh, trying to save expenses. They got to save expenses. Yeah, well, they made them money. Yeah. And so we hear Leslie practicing her speech. No, wait a minute. Why wouldn't Andy and April be sharing one room and Leslie and Ben be sharing the other? Oh, it doesn't work like that. <clears throat> Keep going. I hadn't thought of that, actually. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a much better idea. So anyway, huh. we we anyway, so April's visiting Leslie in her hotel room, there and, and and we hear Leslie practicing her speech for April, who is sitting in front of her drinking tea, very British, and with then her, with her pinky up, she's yeah, practicing pinky her pinky up. She's got the pinky yeah. up. She's fancy, and then when she's done, Leslie can't resist getting a little news blast from back home, which may have been a mistake. Mm. Now, on the the final word with Purd. Guest Catherine Pinewood of the Pawnee Restaurant Association is once again ripping Leslie a new one. And this time claiming that she's gallivanting around Europe instead of staying in Pawnee and facing her problems. Apparently, Leslie posted some pictures on Facebook and then that's where they got the incriminating evidence for this. Purd ends the segment with a Purd poll that suggests in short that most people think she shouldn't be in Europe. Leslie is so frazzled and distraught at this that she immediately begins to make plans to skip the award ceremony and leave that night in hopes of getting back to Pawnee a bit sooner to do some damage control, I think. But ultimately, Ron manages to talk her down out of the crazy tree, convincing her to take a deep breath and stay in London and attend the award ceremony. Yeah, her plan is a little K-Razzy, is it not? It's K-Razzy. Actually, it's very reminiscent of how uh, Kevin's mom gets home to visit him from Europe about an hour earlier than the rest of the family, because that's pretty much what was going to happen. Oh, in Home Alone? In Home Alone, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and she didn't even have an award ceremony. That is true. Yeah. Yeah, can you even imagine? Nope. Yeah. Well, Mark, back at City Hall, Tom confronts the Saperstein twins about where their father might have gotten such K-Razzy ideas about Tom's influence on each of them. Yeah. Tom has wrangled both John Ralphio and Mona Lisa into his office for a little chat. And specifically, Tom asked John Ralphio, what did your dad mean when he said that I screwed you out of the business? What, what does that mean? John Ralphio eventually confesses that, you know what? All right. I told my dad that rent a swag was my idea and that you stole it from me. Um, basically, he did that because his dad's always riding him for never having a job and he just didn't want to admit he blew it again. And all of a sudden, because he's so helpful, Mona Lisa chimes in that, you know, she told her dad oh. that Tom made her sign up for a bunch of credit cards and then max them out. You buying illegal white Jaguar fur coats. But she wasn't <laughs> sure if that was relevant. And Tom, Probably not. Tom is furious and j- clapping his hands together to get their attention. He yells at them. All this lying stop about me stops now. This is my life. Please, one of you has to tell him the truth. And then not it. through a sophisticated <laughs> game of not it, uh, John Ralphio caves and says, all right, you know what? I'll do the unthinkable. I'll have a short, honest conversation with my father. Wow. Yep. Well, we'll see how that goes. Oh, mm, not, I, I don't think it's going to go it's well. It's probably not going to nope, go nope, well. Nope. Well, jumping back to London, there is time to mingle before the award ceremony, and Leslie learns all the things that she does not have in common with one or more of her honorees, not the least of which is a perfectly symmetrical Scandinavian face. (laughs) There's quite the assortment of award winners here. It is very impressive. We're back in London, and we now go to the uh, award ceremony, the the mingling portion, as you mentioned, uh, for the International Coalition of Women in Government. And Leslie is engaged by a tall, blonde woman, very symmetrical, from Denmark named Uli, also one of the five award winners. And Leslie is a little intimidated, not only because of her very uh, symmetrical and tall appearance, but because her town absolutely loves her and they want to do whatever they can to honor her, um, including making a statue of her made of... uh, Made of goat cheese. Goat cheese. I love it. That's unbelievable. And Leslie wants to commiserate with Uli on her frustrations with Pawnee. But I tell you, Alan, it becomes quickly obvious Uli has no concept of what that's like for one's town to hate one. I mean, the opposite of that. They love her. Yeah. Like 
they a holder in the highest esteem possible. Oh, oh. And then meanwhile, while Leslie's facing that with Uli, April has become completely infatuated with Kangurzal, a fellow award winner from Mongolia who grew up in a hut made of ice and mud, became their mayor, <laughs> their police yep. chief, and then their best Wolverine wrangler. That's the most impressive of all. I think April may want to go back to Mongolia with her. <laughs> I think you might be right. Yup. Yeah. Well, back with Lord Covington, Ben and Andy make some progress, and it's a little bit confusing for everyone at first, but well, no, even later, it's still pretty confusing. It's still confusing, actually. yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So at first, we see that, oh, uh, Eddie and Andy are continuing to act like five-year-olds, which seems apropos. Mm -hmm. um, specifically, they're showing each other how they pronounce the word aluminum, or I'm sorry, aluminium. No, no, it's aluminum. <laughs> so... Ben, uh, hesitant to cut into this delightful nonsense, of course, Alan, mm. uh, Ben mentions, you know what? I, I'd love to talk to you about this, but I, I actually do need to uh, leave for uh, for my wife's uh, award ceremony, which prompts Eddie to admit to Ben. Well, you know what? Honestly, I don't know what I'm doing. All he knows is his family has a huge amount of money and yep. he started this foundation in order to do something good with it. But he's heard hundreds of charity pitches and honestly, he, he doesn't know whether they're good or bad. Andy, God bless him, Andy manages to cut through it all by simply telling Eddie their charity is great. And that's, that's, all, it took. that's all Eddie needed to hear. He's in. I mean, so, but he likes Andy. He does. That's clear. Yeah. He likes music, yeah. which is a plus. Sure. So there's just one condition to all this. Since he doesn't really know what he's doing. He wants Andy to stay in London for about three months and help him get it up and running and, and tell him what to do. This is huge. But of course, before they can discuss it further, Andy and Eddie run over to the window uh, to look at a plastic bag that looks like a goose. And Ben just sits there with his head in his hands, like happy, but like utterly bewildered. Like, what is happening here? It is nutty. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, uh, you know, this is going to be the blind leading the blind, Mark. Oh, yeah. Or the deaf leading the deaf. Leading the British. Music. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Right. Well, Mark, hey, real quick before we move into the next scene, I will mention this is literally where part one ends on the Peacock episode. That's right. So worth noting. Yeah. We're going to go a little farther, though. Are we? We are. Are Mark. we? Oh, yeah, we are. And speaking of confusing. Yeah. I believe it's fair to say that the events at the banquet so far have left Leslie a little bit confused about how to proceed with her speech. I'm confused with everything, Alan, but I'm going to move on. Thank yeah. you. We're, so we're back at the awards ceremony, and I think the ceremony proper is now is now underway. And, and we see the different um, award recipients now going up to the mic, and they're giving their acceptance speeches, starting with Uli from Denmark. Hey, Constantine, play the clip, please. Thank you, sir. Silkeborg is wonderful, and I am very supported and loved. Once on my birthday, the town trained a reindeer to do a dance for me. It was beautiful, and the reindeer was delicious. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, how was your meeting? Good. I'll fill you in later. You ready for your speech? Uh, yeah, yeah. Thank you, Yuli. It is so inspiring to hear stories of powerful women who are held in high esteem by their hometowns. Uh -oh. Now, from the hometown of Pawnee, Indiana, in the United States, Leslie Nope. Uh, first, let me say, it is a true honor to be here among these amazing women. You all inspire me with your accomplishments and the things you have done for your hometowns and the things your hometowns have done for you. I mean, they're just truly... You know, I've been a public servant for a long time. And you know how I spend my days cleaning slime out of rivers and removing slugs from people's front yards? And I love my town, but you know how they repay me? By hating me. They hate me. They want to recall me. I wish I could uh, move to Silkeborg and dance with a reindeer. You're always welcome in Silkeborg. <laughs> Olga, let's start a statue of Leslie. <laughs> See, they like me in Silkeborg more than my own hometown, and I've never even been there. I love Pawnee, but sometimes it sucks. People can be very mean and ungrateful, and they cling to their fried dough and their 
big sodas, and then they get mad at me when their pants don't fit. You know, I, I'm sick of it. <laughs> Pawnee is filled with a bunch of peepee -pee heads. Uh-oh. <gasps> Thank you very much for this amazing award. I'm sorry I said peepee -pee heads. <laughs> Good save. <laughs> April's so proud. She is very proud, yeah. yes, as, as April would be. Yep. Well, Mark, live streaming may not have been quite as popular in 2013 as it is today, but even in its infancy, it was apparently good enough for Leslie to have a few surprise viewers in her extended audience. <sighs> yeah. Uh, crap on a cracker. Crap on a crap cracker. Yeah, we, we this is post-speech. We see Leslie now back at her table with Ben and Ron and April and... Ben is a little concerned. We saw him kind of mugged to the camera, like a little shaken yeah. about how the speech was going. And she's and he's concerned about how rough the speech yeah. was. Leslie doesn't care. She's she's peeved at Pawnee right now, understandably, actually. And and she's like this. That's that's how I feel. What can I tell you? Just then, Leslie gets a call, an international call from Jerry Gergich. Yeah. Uh, all the way back in Pawnee there. And that's um, weird. It's weird. Use up all our international minutes. What the hell? And then he is expressing some alarm at Leslie's speech. See, here's what happened. In uh -huh. order to try and support Leslie, Jerry had actually arranged a viewing party so they could catch that, that part of the webcast there, which That's actually nice. sounded really nice so people could watch and, and, job, and support her. But then they saw her pee-pee head speech uh -oh. and Catherine Pinewood is having a field day with it. Alan, this uh. is not good. Bloody hell, Jerry. Bloody hell, Jerry. PBJ across the pond. Oh my. It's international PBJ. It's international PBJ. Good PBJ Lord. Yeah. In part one. Oh. Love it. Fade to gray? Fade to gray. Yeah. Because it's not quite black. <laughs> no, we're no. We're going to come back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're yeah. going to come back. But I mean, right now we got to go eat pizza or whatever we do when we're not recording. Well, in fact, let's go do that for a moment. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back and we'll set up part two. All right, let's do that. All right, we'll be right back, everybody. Hello, this is Ron Swanson. I am here today to tell you about a brand new business located right here in Pawnee. I am doing so because A, I am being adequately compensated to do so, and B, I am happy to report that I will no longer need to drive through or to Eagleton for my biannual replacement of Old Glory. So, without further ado, please help me in welcoming Flags Are Us to the Plainview Heights Strip Mall and Roadside Emergency Truck Exit. In addition to carrying the 193 flags that make up the nation-states of the so-called United Nations, including the difficult-to-find Mauritania, Flags Are Us carries flags of every stripe. And, most importantly, our own little red, white, and blue beauty, of course. Flags R Us also carries flags for nearly every lifestyle and belief system. From Buddhism to Confucianism, we support flags for every major faith. And, if that's not your bag, we also carry flags for more fringe belief systems. So even if your deity is a 28-foot lizard with a volcano for a mouth, or likes to pilot UFOs around the moons of Jupiter. We've got you covered. Speaking of extreme fringe beliefs, we have at least seven different flags that celebrate things starting with the letter Q. Yes, including those folks, plus quasars for our friends in the physics department, and four different queen-related flags. Queen as in the monarch, of course. Queen as in the amazing rock band, Queen as in mystery novel lovers, and Queen as in you go girl. In conclusion, no matter what your specific flag needs may be, freak or otherwise, Flags R Us has you covered. So let all your flags fly high, my brothers and sisters. Thank you, that is all.
right, everybody, we're back. Well, Mark, I want to thank our sponsor today. Uh, I believe that was uh, Flags Are Us, yeah, right? Yeah. Division of Swanson Industries. I love the Swanson Industries. How many divisions of Swanson Industries are there? Uh, I think there's 12, one for each sign of the Zodiac. Not a lot of people know that. That's pretty good. Yeah. That's less than 40 in Leslie's 40 point yeah, plan. Yeah, that's just anyway, craziness. That's not a little crazy. Over A little wackadoodle, if yep. you will. Mark, I think that the that uh, commercial was last in uh, our episode uh, 4.7, The Treaty, if I recall. Oh, with yeah. With the, uh, the model UN. Yeah, Another, yeah. Another with international uh, themes to it. Interesting. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So, and also, I think they mentioned the moon there, too. <laughs> <laughs> so. And lions. And lions. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, hey, Mark, uh, let, let's tell our viewers at home that we're going to basically be back next week, right? We're going to finish this up. We're going to take a break today. Let everybody catch their breath. When we come back in part two, we'll pick up where we left. We'll do a quick recap. We'll finish up the coverage of the episode. We'll give our scores for the entire episode. And then that will be it. That's our coverage of part two. That's right. That's right. It's, uh, we're going to do all that and more. I don't know what more means. You have to tell me more about this more. No, it, I just I want to leave the element of surprise. Because oh, then if, if okay. they if we tell them what we're going to do and they're like, well, that sucks. Yeah. But then if we go, but there's a you don't know. There's a mystery. Here's why you should tune back in. Yeah. Dot dot dot. That's right. Because you Love I, it. I'm a leave wild, them hanging, Mark. I'm a wild card. You don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see what we do with that. Yeah. Dot dot dot. dot, dot. dot. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Well, thanks for listening this week, everybody. We really appreciate it. Check us out on those their, their socials. Hit us up on Apple Podcasts and rate and review us. We would really, really appreciate that. And remember, you can always go on our website and leave a comment. That's right. Um, you know, we'd love to hear what you think about this episode, in fact. And maybe if you can get that clip just in time, we'll play that in part two. Absolutely. Love Absolutely. it. Absolutely. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. And we will see you next time. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Live from Pawnee is a copyrighted production of the creators. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. Original music was created and performed by Aaron Emerson of Emerson Studios. Clips are used under fair use doctrine for the purpose of commentary and parody. Please see our website at livefrompawnee.com for more details or to contact us.